Hello and welcome to episode zero of Ag My Optics, a brand new podcast where we discuss, overanalyze, and generally take a kids' cartoon and toy line a little too seriously. That cartoon and toy line being predominantly, but not exclusively, Transformers. I am your host, Orion Gear, or at least that's what I'm choosing to call myself. And with me is my young co-host, Virtual Dave, also not his real name. Say hello to our listeners, Dave, and tell them a little bit about your relationship with our beloved Robots in Disguise. Hello, guys. I'm Virtual Dave, and I love Transformers. Now, I've been a fan for many years, and can't wait to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I gave the impression that you were young. I am considerably older than you and uh, have been into Transformers since it began. So, you know, 1984. And my, my experience is, uh, is very much from that point when the Marvel comics, the movie, and getting the toys as a kid. Then in recent years, I've kind of gotten back into it, which is uh, a couple of times, in fact, um, which is why we're now doing this. So, well, our first episode is going to be about War for Cybertron, Earthrise, which is the second part of the War for Cybertron trilogy on Netflix. However, seeing as it's the second part, I thought we could do a bit of a chat about the first part, Siege, and just give our kind of thoughts on that and our thoughts on where we think Earthrise might go, um, given what we know about it. Now, we're recording this on the 20, is it 28th? 28th of December. Earthrise airs on the 30th, so we, we, have, we have not seen it. We do not know what's going to happen, although we've got some, we've got some ideas. We've seen a trailer. Um, we've seen the entire Siege toy line. We've seen the entire Earthrise toy line. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've also seen the one directly <laughs> after it. In fact, you have some of the figures, don't you? I do indeed. So there's plenty of clues uh, to, to work on. So I guess we'll get going. My we watched this when it came out. When, when was it about? Was that about six months ago? Was it that far back? <sighs> Maybe not. I'll look it up. I'll look it up later, and I'll, I'll insert something. <laughs> Siege debuted 30th of July 2020, so exactly five months ago. Anyway, whenever it was, we both watched it and uh, had a good old chinwag about it then. Mm -hmm. And I've gone back and watched a little bit more of it again and, you know, reviewed my thoughts on it. So I suppose we can just get into it. War for Cybertron was a six-episode miniseries, first part of the War for Cybertron trilogy. The opening episodes lay out the kind of the backdrop. We're towards the end, towards the end of a war, I think. Uh, on Cybertron. It's all pretty messed up. The Autobots uh, appear to be losing out to the Decepticons and they're running out of Energon, which is basically their fuel, um, which is why plenty of the Autobots are just kind of lying around in corridors looking a bit worse for wear. <laughs> the Decepticons, led by Megatron, uh, seem, to, seem to have led some kind of revolution against the Autobots and are now kind of running what can loosely be, cons be called a police state with uh, things called surrender stations, which I find uh, <laughs> particularly interesting. And uh, it does appear that the, the Seekers are kind of tasked with chasing down renegade Autobots. At least that's how the series opens with Bumblebee and Wheeljack, which is you know, a callback to original first episode of G1. 
So what were your initial thoughts, if you can remember, that far back? I, rem- I really liked the animation style from the get-go with Siege. Um, I know that a lot of people were very taken back by the fluidity of the animation itself, but I thought it was an, a very good improvement from what they put out before. Yes, yeah, well, you, you watched that, which is, whereas I, yeah. well, <laughs> I mean, I, I tolerated half an episode once, uh, but I, uh, I never really watched it. But yes, it is, it is a marked improvement on that, yeah. And then we're talking about the uh, Prime Wars trilogy that came out before, which was awful in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, but this, from the get-go, the animation was a big improvement. In terms of the actual story, in, term, in that first episode, I thought it was interesting and it was a different start than I was expecting. Like having Bumblebee not being a part of a faction from the first episode was... Uh, you know, it's never really been done before, so it was nice to see that type of change. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I'm, I wasn't quite as blown away by the animation as you were, but um, it's certainly competent. It looks, it looks pretty good. It's very kind of grim and gritty. The tone in general, I quite yeah. like the tone. I like the fact that we're, you know, we're moving away from the more kidsy appeal that we've seen from a lot of Transformers shows over the past, well, well, past 35 years, really. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's been the occasional dalliance into more adult stuff like Beast Wars and Beast Machines after that. But it was nice to see it kind of go back to, well, reattempt something a bit more adult. And yeah, the animation was fine, a bit clunky in places, but, you know, definitely an improvement on what I'd seen of what came of what had come before in the you know the last two or three TV series like the what was it called Mishima Mishima stuff yeah Mishima Machinima Machinima yeah I mean that was awful yeah it was um, it was not great <laughs> yeah but yeah regards to the plot I mean the first episode does a lot of people talking very <laughs> forcefully and slowly about what is happening and vaguely why. You have the conversation between Bumblebee and Wheeljack about them, they're hunting for Energon because their Autobots are low on Energon. And Bumblebee is basically like a a scavenger um, who's been employed by the Autobots to find them some Energon. Mm -hmm. And then you have them have an encounter with the Seekers, which then reveals that Jetfire is the leader of the Seekers and is obviously going to defect. I mean, anybody who knows anything about Transformers is not going to be surprised by that, to be honest. Well, it's the fact that his, uh, the, the biggest draw for me was that his eyes were blue and that's always an indicator to me that someone's actually going to be a good Yeah, fan. I really wish they wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, like, it's a little bit of a giveaway. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of clear, um, especially because the history of the character is, you know, in original, originally in G1, he was in a TV show. He was kind of fooled into joining the Decepticons. And in the comic books, he was, I think he was created by Shockwave as a kind of like, almost like a drone. And then later given life by the creation matrix. 
And it wasn't until after that he, he switched sides to the Autobots. So this has happened a few times before, so it's not unsurprising. Anyway, you got that, and you've got him having an argument with Starscream. Obviously, Starscream wants to be in charge. Again, what a surprise. <laughs> and then we have Megatron turn up. He does some kind of explaining about how he had some kind of revolt. And uh, he seems to want to win Wheeljack over, but only a little bit. I found it interesting that Megatron was quite uh, diplomatic for a lot of the first few episodes. He wasn't, you know, your typical gun ho I'm just going to kill you. He, would, he actually asked people, do you want to switch sides? Are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah, he did. You no, know, even... Not even in a threatening way most of the time. He was just generally like, are you sure? I mean... <laughs> I think he sort of flip-flopped backwards and forwards. I mean, there were, there were times when he definitely kind of like appeared to be trying to be more diplomatic. And then he'd kind of then kind of switch and become quite murderous. Yeah. But, but I guess that's part of his story. So you get that, then you get Optimus Prime turn up, and then they have a big kind of chin wag with each other as to why they don't agree with each other, which for me didn't land too well because they never explain what really happened in the past. I mean, the episodes are only 20 minutes long, aren't they? Like short, 25 yeah, minutes long? about 20 minutes. Yeah, the whole, I think the first 15 to 20 minutes of that episode is just people kind of explaining stuff with not an awful lot of action. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, though, but... No, not at all. I just felt, I thought it was a bit strange that they seem to really... Uh, weakened Optimus Prime in this series as well. Like, I wouldn't have thought Prime would have had a problem taking on Megatron on his own. It's not like all of the Decepticons that were there were fighting him. I mean, he couldn't stand up to Megatron, even at any point in the series, really. He gets his butt candid to him a couple of times. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't hate that. I thought that was quite... That was all right, because they're doing, a, they're doing the groundwork of laying down that the Autobots aren't really warriors. Yeah, I'm, well, I get that, but I mean, a lot of the Autobots are like competent to some degree on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. I feel like it wasn't a, a lack of experience. It was just gun ho. I, I, I don't even know what you would call it. it you get the impression from this that um, the storyline's slightly different here. In well, not not necessarily slightly different, but I think it's. I think Red Alert says. Oh, before I before this, I was a I was a doctor, and uh, and then the war happened, and I, they put a blaster in my hand, and now I'm a warrior. Oh yeah, I think that the majority of the Autobots are civilians, and that mm. plays into the whole kind of um, functionist idea that they're going with, which they kind of borrowed off of IDW. Orion Gear is referring to IDW Publishing, the current license holder for the Transformers comic book. Megatron says that he and his Decepticons were all working in uh, so Energon mines and gladiatorial pits and so mm. on, and that, that there was some kind of a preordained function for them due to how they were how they were born, or what you know, or what alt mode they had, mm. which does happen in in IDW. It's a very similar kind of idea. That's what he rebelled against, and the you know the Autobots were the kind of ruling class, 
which again, I'd like to hear, I would like to have heard, heard a lot more about that, but it's very kind of like just hinted at. I think um, Impactor talks about it a bit as well, uh, a few episodes later. Yeah, it does, yeah. But that's the stuff that I would have liked to have seen a bit more of. It was always kind of in the background there, and it felt like it would be important to know what that is to understand why the war's happening. It does, it does raise the question to more of like, who's really the good guys and who's really the bad guys in the story because yeah. the way Siege laid it out, it did feel more that the Autobots were not always as good as they are making them out themselves to be. It was more, mm. there's a reason they're in the, the predicament they're in now. Yeah. I think the main, re- main reason the Autobots are in the predicament they're in is because they've got such a terrible leader. Well, there is that too, yeah. <laughs> Optimus is, is crap. He refuses to explain anything to anybody. He's shushing people when they've got something important to say. Like Will Jake. For yeah. like five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, Will Jack's like going, prime, 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 prime. There's a space bridge. So like, no, I don't want to know about it. You'll have to tell me later. People are questioning him and he's just going, you're just going to have to trust me. And then he walks into an obvious trap. <laughs> More than once. It's not even he learned from the first time. <laughs> yeah, and and at no point at no point does he show any remorse for doing so. <laughs> He's just like, oh, 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 fine, get on with it. No, you still have to follow me. I'm surprised he's got any troops left. Yeah, he's he is a bit well dumb. That's why I didn't understand from it. That's why I have a problem with him being so weak at this point. Grimlock would be a better leader for the Autobots. Back up what he's um, going to be saying when he comes to fighting, because Prime is not not like he has to be a tactician or he has to know how to fight exactly. But at least, you know, use all your weapons. You know, he had many chances to use his axe to save his life, and he didn't use it. It, it appears that he's the leader because he has the matrix of leadership. Yep, only because of that. He hasn't actually got any any real leadership qualities. <laughs> Whereas Megatron's got loads. Like Megatron makes that might sense. be it. That might be why he's such a bad leader in the siege because his toy does not come with the Matrix. He just has an empty cavity. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. You think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I suppose that could be it. I mean, he's all right in places, but he's not. He's not a particularly sympathetic character. Yeah. And. If, if he's meant to be the hero of the piece, I think they made a bit of a misstep there. My I thought that Bumblebee was meant to be the hero at first, or rather was going to become the hero. Mm. And it was kind of going down that route. You thought he was going to be won over by the Autobots and become, you know, dedicated to the Autobot cause because he's shown something that uh, changes his mind. But instead, Magic does it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I've magically got all this, this uh, Alpha Trion protocol in my mind now, so I'll best be on your side. He doesn't even get to use it. He doesn't get to do anything with it. Well, all, he, all, it, all it really is is a, a map to the Allspark, isn't it, really? That's all it really But even that was for. very vague. They still needed um, Jetfire to help them sky. Well, yeah, Jetfire. Yeah, but... If Ultra Magnus had this in his head all along, then why didn't he take him to the Allspark? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's like, yeah, we, we talked about that before. It didn't make sense why he mm. was so worried that they were going to find it if he knew where it was going to be. 
anyway. He also, I'm pretty sure he um, he warned Optimus Prime that they that the Decepticons were looking for the Allspark before the Decepticons said they were looking for the Allspark. Yep. <laughs> so as I um, well, are you a clairvoyant? <laughs> I I actually think that I think that that's um, that's something to do with the editing though because there were bits here and there where it felt like they'd removed a scene or changed a scene or edited a scene in a certain way and then they forgot to like reorganize the the dialogue yeah so there were bits where th- things just kind of felt clunky and weird and someone would say something and then the response wouldn't really sound like something that should be in response to that line mm-hmm. i think there's a bit where um when bumblebee gets taken back to like the uh the Ark, or yeah, because they've got they've got the Ark, haven't they? Hidden behind this kind of holographic wall, they go back to the Ark, and Bumblebee's kind of chatting to Red Alerts and um, Elita One, and so on. Optimus Prime just walks into the room, and he says something like, "Bumblebee, is it? No, no, no! I'm not signing up for your fight. I don't understand that." conversation is it what does is it mean i think you're i think you're probably right i think it probably would be something to do with the editing because yeah of the way they recorded the audio for this it was all during what was happening in the year yeah I, yeah i assume that yeah it wasn't it wasn't all done in a it wasn't like in a in a big room or anything but that, that's how a lot of a lot of audio is done for a lot of tv shows it's a lot of anime tv shows these days anyway it's it's unusual you get kind of a what they did with you know, with Beast Wars, where they had everyone in the same room. I get the feeling that it's, it, they must have had run into issues because, like we talked about before, it wasn't going alongside the toy line. Like, it got released, what, during halfway through Earthrise? Oh, that was the toy line was coming out, so it was way behind yeah. where it should have been. Yeah, you'd think 35 years in, um, Hasbro <laughs> could get this right. It is very strange um, that the the toys were all out already. Yeah, because with the previous trilogy, they did kind of do that right. They did have the series come out alongside the toys. Yeah, and that that's that would make sense uh, commercially, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> Put out this clearly fairly big budget Netflix show. I mean, this looks a lot better than that those previous shows. There's some problems with it, but it's not. it's definitely a cut above that stuff. So you spent all this money on this TV show, uh, but you put the toy line out a year before. <laughs> it, it's confusing. They're gonna, they haven't learned from that mistake because they're doing a BotBot sh- show now. Like two. Yeah, they are. Two aren't years they? after the toys <laughs> came out. <laughs> I was actually thinking the other day before I saw that the BotBots TV show. We're going on a tangent here, but uh, when I saw that the BotBots TV show was coming was coming out, mm. maybe two days previously, I'd been thinking. Are BotBots a thing anymore, or have they finished? <laughs> yeah. I have the same thought. My anyway, back to the deeply serious siege. There's not a lot of transforming, is there? No. <laughs> I think, I don't think, I think Megatron transforms once. I think uh, Optimus maybe a couple of times. Yeah. I don't think B ever transforms. No. The Seekers do, Jetfire does, but that's because they've got aerial modes. A little one doesn't either. She's quite prominent yeah 
Yeah, it's for, a, for a show called Transformers, there's not a lot of transforming going on. It's very strange because it's like that old thing about in the old cartoon where you can tell a rock is about to get smashed because it stands out. Yes. A lot of the Transformers who don't transform are not ones that are based on toys, so they just didn't bother having that in the story. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, they stand out. <laughs> and, and that all plays back to the... Uh, lack of synchronicity between the toy line and the and the TV show. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're kind of stuck on the the fact that the character of Prime is a bit he's flawed, and I can understand I understand and appreciate the idea of trying to make him a flawed, slightly reluctant leader. But you also have to make him likable. Yeah, because like what you have with uh, Optimus Primal in those first seasons. Virtual Dave is referring to Transformers Beast Wars, the greatest Transformers TV show ever made. He was very inexperienced and he, none of them were fighters either, but at least he could handle the conflict with him and Megatron a lot easier than this Prime can. I mean, just compare those, those first two episodes of Beast Wars yeah. to, the, to this first episode of, um, or first two episodes even, of Siege. Mm. You have Optimus Primal looking completely out of his depth, not really knowing what to do, getting berated by his crew, particularly Rat Trap. (laughs) But by the end of the second episode, he's won over the respect of Dinobot. You've got something to latch onto there. You can can see why Optimus Primal is is an interesting character or a character that might have more to him. The Optimus Prime of Siege doesn't really ever do that. I mean, even even if if people wanted to make the comparison with another Optimus Prime, even animated Prime is very similar in that aspect. Yes. In their first episode, mm-hmm. he goes toe to toe with Megatron and still is able to get his team to safety and do the whole thing about living on Earth. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> exactly. You, you, and and a lot of TV shows do that. The main character or the the leader proves their worth within the space of the first episode or two. I think see, with Siege being a Netflix series and being a bit more long form, I think what they wanted to do was have him do a, have a journey from episode one through to episode six. And by episode six, you know, reach that point. But I'm not sure whether he actually did. No. <laughs> if anything, at the end, they kind of recreated that whole fight in the movie where he's getting beaten up and Bumblebee comes and saves him instead of Hot Rod. Yeah, yeah, but that was a, yeah, it was kind of an Easter egg, wasn't it? A kind of nod to, I mean, the, those last couple of episodes. I mean, the, the big epic fight at the end was pretty good. Yeah, it was a really good um, ending, I thought, because it made me want to watch what was coming. Absolutely, absolutely. I think they, I think they got that going uh, very well. And there's a bunch of great, interesting characters. Sadly, Optimus Prime's just not one of them. But like. <laughs> I, find, I think Megatron's very interesting. I want to know about his history. I want to know why he, how he rose to power and why. Mm-hmm. Alita One, who seems like a better leader than Prime, to be honest, and is set up at the end of the series as being the leading the resistance on Cybertron because everyone else is off on the arc somewhere. I, I actually like that they did that and had a, obviously going to have imbalance with Shockwave. Yeah. So it's very calls back to that you know, new one route. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really like um 
that one scene with Shockwave telling Megatron that he has a virus that will solve all of his problems. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all these problems he had, he just had like this random test that he was already doing behind Megatron's back yeah. to do all these different things. I like that aspect of his character coming through of just this mad genius who just has all these things. It felt really tarantulous. Yeah, very tarantulous, actually, yeah. <laughs> tarantulous is a character from Transformers Beast Wars, the greatest Transformers TV show ever made. Really, like, like I'm just getting on with this shit in the background. <laughs> I'm not really that bothered about your war. <laughs> I, really, I just really like they captured that small little thing from his character, and it, it was fine. You thought, you, that's all you need, really. It's not... There's some interesting characters there. I mean, yeah, there was some good stuff with Ratchet. I really like Ratchet's kind of backstory. That was kind of interesting. I did, I did feel that was it would have made to me it would have made more sense if it was the other way around. And Wheeljack was this barren inventor who was legendary, and Ratchet was the, the medic. Well, but I get why they did it. Well, I mean that, that that they did mix up people's roles a bit. Like I, th- I did, I said we get back to it in a way. The idea of Red Alert being a doctor is like, well, why? <laughs> is it just because he's white and red? Because he was an emergency service vehicle. That means he must do all of that stuff. But it's, I mean, for a start, in you know, a fire department Lamborghini doesn't make an awful <laughs> lot of sense. But nonetheless, <laughs> he he isn't he isn't associated with the medical field. <laughs> My optics. Well, let's let's talk about the voice acting and the soundtrack. It was one of the weakest points of it, to be honest. What the the sound in general? I mean, the sounds fine. The soundtracks generic. Very. Even you know the titles and the end titles aren't particularly memorable or interesting. Just kind of there. And I know it's a Netflix series, and you skip past that anyway. Everyone hits you know skip titles. But at the same time, you look back at previous Transformers series and they've been known for their theme tunes. Mm. I think it's, I think it, it's a big loss mm. and a missed opportunity because the, uh, the opportunity to have an animated intro at this quality or this, um, this time could be very, uh, memorable for people even children who would be watching it and it's not it's not got any of that it's not um it's nothing i mean to be fair i mean it's happening to a lot of kids shows these days to be honest but the magic of an intro is kind of fading away and it's pretty sad true you don't and you don't walk away from it humming anything there's so many shows where they where you have a you have a theme or a or, or a piece of thematic music that will play at different points and you know that piece of music and you know that, that piece of music is going to play at this particular point you know you've got it obviously in things like Star Wars you've got it in, in Star Trek like you've got it in all sorts of TV TV series where I mean even you know the old Transformers series had them as well like the you know the original eight is one mm-hmm. there wasn't any of that. It was all very kind of bland. Even for like um, the Unicorn trilogy, when they would have a massive transformation scene and it would be all glam and neon lights and sorts of the Transformers song. And it was great. It was... Yeah, I suppose maybe maybe this has got something to do with the kind of the dark and gritty tone we were talking about earlier, which we enjoyed. 
maybe that's why they went for a more kind of subdued soundtrack because what you're talking about probably wouldn't have worked uh, in uh, in siege because it was very over the top and japanese i suppose yeah okay i suppose yeah not the flashing lights and all sorts but i think as a song for fight scenes at least or for when yes you know, evil yeah. things are happening or when good things are happening would have been welcome well that's yeah i agree and i think that there was a there was a lack of drama yeah um a lot of the time and that you know talking like this doesn't necessarily equate to drama <laughs> and especially when everyone talks like that i um i didn't notice it as much when i first watched when i watched it the first time but it's only when people highlighted the the delivery of the lies i was like hmm maybe <laughs> that's uh that's how people speak on Cybertron, maybe i don't know <laughs> well yeah maybe but like but it's, it's like it would have been fine if you had maybe it was used in the right places but it was used all the time by mostly by most of the characters and it meant everyone just sounded sounded very very one note a lot of the time there are a few exceptions but if you were looking away from the screen, uh, you wouldn't know who was talking necessarily sometimes. Yeah. I would say that it was a bit jarring for some of the voice actors they chose for the certain characters. Like mm -hmm. um, Ironhide is a good example. He sounds nothing like Ironhide should, in my opinion. I mean, that's fine. I, didn't, I don't have such a problem with that because we don't have to retread this stuff all the time. When I say that, I mean it's it stands out a lot more when every, when there is a kind of half and half, like pretty much all the Decepticons sound right, and yes, that's true. It's a bit wishy washy with the Autobots. Like Will Jack, Will Jack is pretty spot on, I would say, but yeah, it's close enough. Everyone yeah. else is a bit. Ah, uh, could we not try a bit more? Because the Decepticon guys are then they're, they're. I mean, Starscream's crushing it. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you say Soundwave was a bit sketchy. Yeah, okay, yeah, Soundwave. <laughs> but I, I didn't mind that as much because it, it fits him to be a bit different in that way. I feel like it's been it's it's been more of a thing in his shows recently because since animated, he's had more auto tune with his speech, and then he did it in Prime. All right. So so maybe maybe that is a thing with Soundwave. But yeah, I, I agree. Uh, overall, the Decepticons sounded like they needed to sound. It was the Autobots that are a bit more sketchy. But yeah, I mean, I just thought, I just thought the the voice acting was quite pedestrian. I mean, was, no one really stood out except maybe Sound Blaster because he was so <laughs> mental. Yeah, that was a nice addition that I really liked. Um... It was probably it was probably the most toy advert part of the series. I was like, "You've got me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a bit, wasn't it? But it was refreshing because so much of it is very serious and very kind of one tone. That to get a kind of slightly wackier character was was nice. Yeah. It would have liked to see a bit more of that. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think mostly the the. The voice acting was acceptable, but not brilliant. 
and they weren't helped by the fact that a lot of the dialogue was a bit clunky and uninspired and you know there were bits where like we spoke about before bits where things seemed to be edited out so people said the wrong words or said something that didn't sound quite right Mm -hmm. and also bits where there was there are a few times where optimus prime shouted and that that didn't work didn't sound right did it no no and he did it for no reason most of the time so we've spoken about the well We've spoken about what we know about the war, which is not an awful lot, which I think is why a lot of it doesn't land for me, because it would be nice to have earned the, the audience's investment in what was going on. Because even by the end of it, I still didn't really know why they were fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Megatron kill Alpha Trion? What was, what was Megatron's uh, revolution about? Was he right? Because <laughs> it sounds like he might have been. What's, what's Prime's beef with Megatron, other than he killed Alpha Trion? Is that it? Because if so, he's on some kind of weird, selfish revenge tip. It did, it did feel like that at points, because it's very rare for Prime to be such a... I mean, it felt more like movie Prime, if anything. He doesn't have any type of... He didn't even want to like, speak to Megatron or... Here we had to stay. <laughs> he wasn't interested. He really give him a chance. <laughs> even when his own, when Alita One was talking to him about the issues they were having, he was like, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. It's my plan. This is what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. He did that so often. And I hate to keep going back to him, but if you make it a Transformers series, it kind of lives and dies by the portrayal of Prime, doesn't it, really? You would have thought. Yeah, the two of them being like a. The good Patrol, the yeah. Yeah, and Megatron, Megatron was a really interesting character and I, I really want to know more about him and about why he's the person he is and why he's doing what he's doing. It's, you know, it's, it, it's very similar to the Machinima series in that sense because Prime, he would do things that didn't feel like it would be a Prime thing to do. It was always not well thought out, whereas Megatron in that series as well was, I mean, no spoilers or anything, but Prime dies in the Machinima series. Yes. And Megatron has to kind of take over. He always does these days. <laughs> but he, Megatron does... Ever since, ever since that movie, Prime will now die and everything. <laughs> it has to happen. Need that black replaying. It's like we've got no new ideas. <laughs> anyway, Go Megatron, on. Megatron takes over and he does such a better job of leading this ragtag team of Autobots mm-hmm. to save Cybertron and, you know, get the job done. Yeah. And it does make you wonder if Megatron was not meant to be leader all the time. Because he actually does a good job at it. Well, yeah. Even when he's talking to the Decepticons, they all give him advice about what he should do. And he kind of sits and listens, ponders it. Uh, yeah, you know what, I'll take your, your idea on board. I suppose, I, I think we've got James Roberts to blame for all this. He made, I mean, well, not just James Roberts, actually, just the the writing team on IDW. They made Megatron a sympathetic character. Yep. Uh, they made him a freedom fighter. They made him a, a revolutionary, which has definitely been brought through into the Siege series. And they gave him a reason, a, a, an understandable reason, to rebel against the Autobots. Yep. Basically, they made, they've cast him as a kind of a blue-collar guy who rebels against the, mm. the ruling class. 
and that's something that I've really successfully done that but in a way it's at the detriment of the it's at the detriment of prime's character i think that i think that it's been uh it's what this really needs because you need that whole orion pax dynamic of him dying by megatron's hands to come back and that would be his you know the the story that they would be entwined together because one created the other absolutely and prime has also got that working class as it were background yeah. orion pax was no it was a nobody maybe they should delve into that a bit more because otherwise he just looks like a self-important arsehole <laughs> well we're, we're going to get onto it in a bit but i'm hoping that in Earthrise, we're going to get a bit more of their backstories and therefore we're going to be able to kind of pull that together and maybe we'll be able to see Prime as a more sympathetic character and we'll be able to understand where both of them have come from because at the moment it's all very good the setup's really good I like the tone I like where we're going with it but it doesn't feel like the good guys really have a focus yeah and okay Megatron randomly goes a bit mental in this and decides he's going to reformat all the uh, all the Autobots into Decepticons. Whatever that means. <laughs> which, which is another little issue I have in that the series does appear to not... It's, it's not clear or... It's either not clear or doesn't really care or doesn't really know what the difference between an Autobot and a Decepticon is. Yes. Every now and again, someone will refer to destroying the Autobots as genocide or something. And it's like, well, so what, they're a race? Mm. So you're, you're two distinct races? And then late other times they'll be referred to as factions. And then you've got Bumblebee, who's neither. So what is he? Yeah. And there's a lot of contradictory language around what an Autobot and a Decepticon is. Yeah, even a class of it being something you're created into or built into, or is it a choice? Exactly. You'd think you're all Cybertronians. Right. And you or Transformers and you decide what side you're gonna be on, you know, like regular folk. Yep. <laughs> there was even the stuff about the seekers were like so against that that idea of them changing the Autobots over. They yes. were like, How yeah. dare they <laughs> filthy the ranks with Autobots or yeah, there was some kind of, yeah, um, Starscreen came out with a bit of kind of Aryan kind of nonsense, yeah. didn't he? So what are Decepticons? Again, maybe they'll make that clearer later on, but I don't think they will. I think they'll probably, well, right, okay, before we get into what we think is going to happen in Earthrise, I think we've basically talked through what we, look, what we did and didn't like, but let's, let's just do a kind of an overview of so what were, what were your favourite things, Dave, of this, uh, of this particular series? What did you like most about it? Um, what I liked most was the, the, the animation and the overall backgrounds and stuff. Like it was a lot, it, the series felt more populated, like a more populated Cybertron without there actually being any population in Cybertron, if that makes sense. It felt more like mm -hmm. there was war that had happened and there were like the buildings were all falling apart and if things were all dying or you know had repeats of Ironhide and sideswipe in the background all falling apart yeah. I found that interesting that they at least tried to do that because they don't when, when it happens it's they go to Cybertron it's all very neat it's all very clean 
it's all implied loads of people around but you never see anyone <laughs> yeah and usually that's to do with uh it's to do with budgetary constraints isn't it but 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 yeah no i, I know exactly what you mean i like to know that i like they tried to at least hide that fluff with that type of aesthetic in the background i appreciate it yeah it, it felt it did feel it did feel quite epic in scope it felt like a some a, a really serious war had happened and there was quite a bit of world building. I felt that felt that there was quite a lot of stuff kind of going on in the background. And even though you know we still had quite a quite a small cast, really, they gave the impression of there being a lot of yeah. people about. I did. I did like that, and they, I like that the characters they kind of picked to do it. And like I, I find I well, I guess we can talk more about that at the end. But I find that being more of a worry in Earthrise, where there's clearly. Um, whoever uh, the Quintessons were working with have a, a sea of Einhide clones, which is very uh, weird to me. I always thought they would have the Alicons with them, but... Oh, do they? Is it, I, I didn't know. I didn't spot that. Yeah, it's a very... Like, I can get, I can accept it for Cybertron that there would be multiple versions of people, yeah. but if they carry on doing it when they go to other planets, I would have more of a problem with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's... It's par for the course, isn't it, really? I mean, you go back to G1 and you've got countless various coloured Seekers and various coloured Datsuns in the background, haven't you? So, like, these things happen. So it's... Yeah. But, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. If it's off-world, then you wouldn't expect that. But, yeah, um, I agree. I, I thought that that was really good. Oh, actually, and the, the, the Sea of Rust scene was very... Mm -hmm. was amazing, like, the type of... Because normally when they go there, it's very a dark and dismal place, but it was very almost like a mm -hmm. uh, Mad Max scene, you know? Yes, yeah. I thought that the yeah the general tone was good. Um, I thought it was I thought it was reasonable. <laughs> I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was amazing. I think that if they put a little bit more into the into their backgrounds and but I imagine this might happen later. And if, and also, if the voice acting were a bit better, <laughs> I think it would, it would have, it would have elevated it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, uh, I think we've covered how we felt about it overall. So, if you were to, uh, if you were to give the series a rating, and we could go with a scale of one to ten or one to five, but that's a bit boring. So, I think what we're going to use is the uh, the well known scale of wheelie to name your favorite character in the 1986 <laughs> movie which for me would probably be galvatron but um i don't know there's a few contenders but wheelie's definitely the worst it's the worst yeah <laughs> yeah we can we can all agree <laughs> so where where would you place uh war for cybertron siege on that scale i would play siege ironically uh, a solid springer because mm -hmm. I look forward to there being more to see. And given the fact that Spring is a triple changer, it seems appropriate for a trilogy. And it's kind of funny that I pick him and he's, his toy was not in the show. He, <laughs> he didn't make an appearance in Siege. But um, I think it has potential to be better. Yeah. I, I think it's a good start. 
Springer, yeah, I, I, that's a good choice. I, I, I have almost, almost exactly the same reasoning, but I would choose Grimlock. Okay. Because Grimlock is a great character, but underused in the 86 movie <laughs> and, and has lots of hidden potential. <laughs> but, you know, you don't see it. And there's lots and lots of little bits and bobs in Siege, which I think could be great, but they never really properly kind of touch it. Yeah. So yeah, I'd put it at Grimlock, because Grimlock, solid, solid character, bit of comic relief in that movie, bit, bit silly, um, which Siege is not. <laughs> okay, so I think what we're basically saying is, nice try, but must try harder with the next one, which is Earthrise. Comes out in two days, yeah. debuts uh, on, on Netflix on the 30th. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, all we've seen is a trailer, and obviously we've seen the toy line, and we've seen what comes after it. So we've got some inklings. So maybe we should just talk a little bit about the trailer. What were your thoughts watching the trailer? I really liked the choice of music in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, which gives me hope for better music in the next series. It felt like the stakes are going to be a little higher and that the possibility of Prime's terrible leadership in trusting a different faction that he's just met out of the blue mm. will not have the same type of impact that it had in Siege. Like, at least he can learn from it and be like... Uh, yeah. Okay, I've, I've done wrong here, but the trailer itself was really good. I didn't, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I like what the, they showed of Cybertron with Megatron and the Leader One, and then going back to whatever's going to be happening on this off-world planet. It's going to be good. Well, yeah, I mean, just to kind of uh, summarise what happens in the trailer, we've got the Autobots, the off-world Autobots, uh, Prime and... Uh, everybody who escaped on the Ark at the end of a uh, uh, siege. Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning, they're all in manacles and they seem to have been captured by a Quintesson. Maybe more than one, who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's, there is something where the, I think the Quintesson says, do you know who I am? And Prime says, I know what you are. <laughs> so it's interesting that they, cho they chose those words. So... I'm not sure it's the Quintessons. I think it's a specific Quintesson. That's interesting. But I don't know what that means yet. But it's quite clear from what you see of that side, because you, you get you kind of flash backwards and forwards a little bit between what's happening on, on Cybertron and what's happening off world. Yeah. Which is good. It's it's good that we're gonna see both that. We're not just forgetting about the people on Cybertron. And we get a nice little bit with uh Elita One, basically, she's she's on well, not on her own, but she's got a small crew of Autobots continuing to fight as a kind of resistance cell mm -hmm. on on Cybertron against the Decepticon forces. And you get you know a nice a nice kind of nod to the fact that um, Autobots generally can't fly, referring to Jetfire, obviously. But yeah, back to what's going on off world. You see Prime and Bumblebee going through like a portal somewhere. Meanwhile, there's like a kind of voiceover from, I think it's the Quintesson saying, basically talking about the future being unwritten, very Terminator 2. The feeling that was from whatever 
Nemesis Prime they alluded to in that small bit while that voiceover was going on, but it may be Quintesson. I, I didn't think of it that way when I watched it. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, the Quintesson's voice is not too dissimilar to Prime's voice, so it's yeah. hard to... Uh... <laughs> I mean, Quintesson's got more than one voice as well, because... That's true. Yeah. There's a bit where one of the other faces talks and it has a different voice. Yeah. I think, I think what we're probably going to see is this Quintesson sending Prime and his his crew mm-hmm. on a mission to retrieve the Allspark for them for some reason or whatever. They seem to be interested in the Allspark. Yeah. And going through these portals starts to suggest a bit of timey-wimey time travel or dimension hopping or whatever, which totally plays into the idea of a nemesis prime, totally plays into the idea of the the bit that I like the most about the trailer, Galvatron and Megatron meeting and having a conversation. Having a bit of a, <laughs> a, of a dust up <laughs> and then and then having a, a bit of a chat. And it's probably wishful thinking on my part, but I'm hoping that there's a bit of a nod to like uh, the UK comic book uh, Target 2006, where Galvatron comes back from the future in order to escape the influence of Unicron mm-hmm. to try and change things so that Unicron doesn't end up uh, enslaving him. Now, who knows? Mm-hmm. But there was a flash of Unicron in there. Yeah. You know, we've got that bloody gigantic great big toy coming out at some point. <laughs> if they're going to slap that in there. Not that any kid could, could even buy it now. <laughs> so yeah, you've got, you've got Unicron there, you've got Galvatron, and he's, there's a lot of talk of taking the Matrix. And we all know from the 1986 movie that the only thing that can destroy Unicron is the Matrix. So there's a whole bit about killing Prime and taking the Matrix for yourself, which I assume is someone talking to Nemesis Prime. Mm. But they could be talking to Megatron. I thought it was Megatron, because as soon as that said, they show a shot of him like powering up. Yeah, there is that, yeah, it's kind of weird thing going on. Like weird kind of power yeah. around him, yeah. Um, yeah, that is a very hopeful thing that could happen because it's not so much the sense of taking the Matrix and whatnot. It's the interesting bit is what if Megatron takes the Matrix and uses mm-hmm. it for himself instead of giving it to this future version of Galvatron or if it's from the yeah. future, if he's from the future. Yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure Megatron says something like, I don't trust you or yeah. something to Galvatron or something like that. And, and Galvatron's like, well, no, you shouldn't or something. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's possible. I mean, that's my, well, it's not a prediction because my prediction is it will be less interesting than this. But what I would like it to be is it would be nice if Galvatron were, because they could just make Galvatron a separate character. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than being... Because they've done that before. They did it with Sandblaster. Yeah. They could just make Galvatron a separate character. But what it, what I would like was if Galvatron is a possible future version of Megatron and has travelled back in time to steal or, or, or take the Matrix uh, in order to defeat Unicron in the future. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Nemesis Prime. I don't like it. Well, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't hold too much worry on that because, I mean, he was the spoiler box for the series, but that didn't really mean much for Siege. So yeah, I think I think it might be it, the fact that it's in the trailer worries me, but I think it might just be a bit of a red herring. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, maybe we get a little bit of it and then it kind of goes away. <laughs> might mean it might like be a like Mirage in Siege where he just pretends to be a Decepticon for a little bit for no real reason. Yeah. Another thing I really like about what we see in the um, trailer, and it's not 100% clear whether it's one or the other, but it looks like we either get some flashbacks to Prime and Megatron early on, Mm -hmm. or if this portal thing that we see is to do with like time travel or something, maybe Prime and B and whoever are traveling back to a time period where they get to observe whatever was happening at that time. Or maybe they have to influence events and change history in almost like a quantum leap kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes me want to have Gigawatt appear. And have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how well that would work in this kind of slightly darker, darker and grittier <laughs> um universe but you know you could you could try that for anyone listening to this who is not aware <laughs> um gigawatt is a uh, is a kind of crossover with back to the future but anyway yes I, I do think the trailer looks interesting my only worry from the trailer is the the, des- the design of the 3d models mm-hmm. like how we we noticed that bumblebee and rc are not based on a toy so they look very different than everyone else. And it's yes. the same with uh, Galvatron. Is not based on a toy design. No, he looks very G1. He looks very G1. And in the same mm. way, he kind of sticks out from RC and Bumblebee do. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But at the same time, for such an important character, who I imagine is still going to get a toy in the next line of toys... Uh, <laughs> Yes, Galvatron will receive a toy in the Kingdom line. Uh, it's just a bit strange. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's so disjointed. Because even the, even the Coneheads in Earthrise have the Seeker body of Starscream, but they have the Coneheads and they don't have where their wings are meant to be. Like it's... I mean, you know more about this than I do because you actually buy this toy line. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea what the cone heads look like. I have no, I have no idea that they're not based on the same body as. Well, the I, I mean, it's it because I remember when the first trailer for Siege came out, people were worried that they all had the massive backpacks and the ports and the, yes, uh, all the three millimeter ports for all the different weaponizers and things, which yeah seemed understandable at that point if you're going to do it for everybody, but if they're picking and choosing who matches that aesthetic and they don't even transform half the time anyway what was the point (laughs) right well i think that's quite enough of that we hope you enjoyed our ramblings and if you did please do like and subscribe please check out our first episode straight after this in the feed covering our thoughts on war for cybertron earthrise we plan to do more episodes like this reviewing shows but also discussions on the larger fandom and the peculiar nature of collecting toys 
In the meantime, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear, respectively. And Dave, do you mind imparting your details on these fine, fine people? Yep, you can follow me on Instagram at virtualdave26. Thank you. Right, well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next time on Ag My Optics.